The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Get In Podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude, brought to you by EagleInsider.com and Armchair Media, Season 4, Clemson Week. Coming off a disappointing loss in Blacksburg, the Eagles scored a huge bounce-back W this weekend, blowing out Georgia Tech 48-27 and officially avenging the disaster in Dublin four years ago. BC improves to 4-2 on the year and moves to sixth place in the ACC standings. On today's episode, we'll recap the offensive explosion versus the Yellow Jackets, talk Coach Halfley being frontrunner for ACC Coach of the Year, and preview why little old Clemson should be on upset alert in Death Valley this weekend. Matt, it's always a great feeling to get back into the win column. I think I speak for all of us where there wasn't even one iota of concern at any point last Saturday, which is such a, such a rare feeling for the BC fans. And I'd say we're all feeling great about the direction of the program as we head into half's biggest test yet. Uh, before we do a full Georgia Tech recap, Clemson preview, quick word from our good friends and presenting sponsors, Bet Online. Matt, football is in full effect. We got both college and NFL teams strutting their stuff all over the gridiron. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, Matt, like I said, I'll do a quick kind of half full, half empty just to get started. It's it's always half full to get a big, comfortable win, really never in doubt. But on the half empty side, like and, and, and you know, I don't want to sound like like, you know, we have too much going for us. But I was just bored all yeah. day on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It was just so anticlimactic from the jump because we just knew we were going to beat this team by 100 points. That's exactly what we went out and did. And we'll get into it. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of good things to take from it. But I'll tell you what, from a viewership standpoint. As terrifying as it was, I had a lot more fun during Pitt and even Texas State than, than last Saturday. I don't know what that says about me. It's a good point. And, and we, we tweeted it out, right? Like, this this must be how Clemson feels every week, where they just blow teams out. It's not fun anymore, right? It's kind of right. like if you're like you're playing golf. Part of when you and I go play golf, the fun of it is, like, if we get in the fairway, that's an accomplishment. If you're a pro golfer, like, that must suck. Like, you, yeah. if you don't birdie every hole, you, you know, you're a failure. So I'm with you there. It's kind of like what that was like on Saturday. It was just It was just kind of boring. With that said, Matt, it was exactly what this team needed, um, and, and it, it goes without saying. These guys, obviously, the the loss against Virginia Tech was was demoralizing to say the least. And you never know how a team's going to bounce back, especially a team under new leadership. And uh, and I'll tell you what, half righted the ship pretty quickly, and I think used the fuel from that loss to, to get these guys back on track, back in the wind column, and back to playing BC football. Yeah, I mean, that, that was literally exactly what, what the doctor ordered. As disappointed as we are with the result against Virginia Tech, which, by the way, and I know we didn't have a podcast last week, which is another half-empty, us just, like, never doing the podcast anymore. we got to figure that out. But uh, I don't think that game was nearly as lopsided against Virginia Tech as, as the final score indicated. So I do, do, still, do still stand by the fact that I think this Boston College team is a very good football team, despite that lopsided loss. You know, I think that what we saw last Saturday was much more indicative of, of where this team currently is. And, and you know, obviously we'll see more progression throughout the you know remaining handful of games. Yeah, 100 percent. And turnovers are everything, especially in college football. Um, you know, we certainly know that from from the highs and the lows. We, we've gotten both sides of it at this point. Um, all right. So with that said, let's let's hit let's hit the, the game details a little bit. It'll be a quick recap here because this game was pretty much over. I don't know, mid second quarter. Um so BC, obviously, like we were saying, they came off that five turnover showing versus Virginia Tech. The offense looked terrible. Um, they came out absolutely firing on all cylinders uh, to kick off the game. And, and probably for the first time all season, it wasn't just the Dracovic show. 
The Eags rushed the ball on seven out of the first eight plays. That set the tone for the ball game. You knew the coaches were prioritizing the run game. They said, all right, this is a matchup we can win. Let's get the O-line back on track. Um, so, so a bunch of rushes on that first drive set up that first C.J. Lewis touchdown. And let's just fast forward to the 10-minute mark of the second quarter. The Eags are already up 31-7. to I'm, text, I'm tweeting at Jason Baum saying, hey, what's, what's the course record? What's the most points that BC's ever, uh, ever put up in a game? And it turns out it was Holy Cross, or not, not Holy Cross, it was... Uh, Assumption? St. Saint, Saint Ace? In, in, St. Anselm. St. Anselm. Yeah. I knew it was an A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah 1941. Yeah. So yep. uh, the Eags were very much on track, if you do the math, at 31-7, to 7, I think at 10 minutes to go in the second. Um, so they had, so Lewis had a couple early touchdowns. Mike Palmer had that fumble scoop and score. We had a Zay jet sweep, and we were just firing on all cylinders. And by then, the game was over. Matt, that's my recap. Let's just get into our, our takeaways. And uh, what's, what's your half full? What's your half empty? Well, a quick one just to, you know, for a little inside baseball for you folks at home. So a half full is that that was a short recap because normally a half empty is Matt's full drive-by-drive recap of the game. As I say, if you guys are listening to a podcast about a Boston college football team, I promise you you've watched every play of that game and you're aware of, of what happened. So, Matt, Matt do, I you want to, to, do you want to take this like off, off air? Do you, have, do you have an issue with how, I, <laughs> how we produce our show? Look, I just love how clean that was because I think that you described it perfectly and I think we all, we all felt what, what you, know, you just described there. It was comfortable, okay. it was boring, what and, about we, and we moved on. Some of the fans maybe have a couple cold ones while they're watching the game. They don't remember all the details, so we try to provide those details. I'm raising my hand details. very high right now. During, I'm raising my hand. You're describing me. Okay. So I, maybe I should appreciate it more yeah but that's neither here nor there um i will talk again briefly just about the broadcast before we really get more into the into the football game again i think i only think in like half empty and half full at this point this podcast even through six episodes has already kind of broken my brain in the half era but another half empty mark herzlick on the call let's get this guy off of bc games we was he bad this week be, i well so that's my half full is that the game was on without sound at the bc game one uh. so i so i couldn't i couldn't hear him um, but I just have a feeling if, if Pitt was any indication that, that he should not call. Like, send him down to Carolina, let him do NC State, other ACC games, uh, but I just think there's too much of a conflict of interest there. Um, Matt, I will say, again, the run game was back, and it was everything that we needed it to be. Uh, 267 yards on the ground. You could you know, include Jerko had 94 of those yards on seven carries, I believe it was. The offensive line bullied people all day. Can we Dave talk about Bailey. that? For a second, yeah. how Jerko yeah. runs, and he looks like the slowest guy of, of all time. He looks like a, an offensive lineman, um, you know, running down the field. But it's just because he's ginormous, I think, because he's yeah. outrunning, you know, linebackers. So I don't think he's slow. He just is one of those guys that looks really slow. He's like a Byron Leftwich kind of guy. That's that's what I'm going with. I mean, it is. It's an NFL-type build. And when you watch NFL quarterbacks run, I mean, maybe without, you know, the the, the exception of now these, you know, the, the generation of guys who are just freak athletes and are really fast. But, like, if you think about Brady, Roethlisberger, um, they don't look like they're – they just look like they're galloping. And he looks like he's galloping, mm-hmm. but he's doing it so well and he's taken off. And I love to see a mobile quarterback. Matt, that's another half full and a half empty I had. I love the running game that Jerko put out. But I, I'm half empty every time he runs because the last thing we can afford is an injury. And I just feel like once you get a quarterback outside of the pocket, the risk you know goes goes through the roof. I agree with that, but I also disagree with that because this kid's such a gamer, and I don't think he can feel pain. And every time he gets hit hard, he just gets up. Like if, if it, it's unbelievable. And, and you know, shout out to our O line. I'm going I'm to use this as a transition to shout out to our O line because he did not get hit at all this mm-hmm. game. The O line in the run game, like you said. We're officially back. And listen, we, we knew that the Georgia Tech D-line wasn't great. They were doing some plug-in plays. They had some injuries, et cetera. But it's nice to see that, you know, a strength that we really thought we had coming into this year, not not even thought we had. We knew that this was a strength of this ball club with the entire O-line returning, all ACC guys across the board, David Bailey, who, you know, when you watch last year, you didn't really see a drop-off when Dylan came out of the game. And we thought we were in good hands with these guys. Um, it's nice to finally have that rushing attack back. Like you said, 44 attempts, 264 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Bailey had a 34-yard in particular for that touchdown that I think it was really Exhibit A that demonstrated how zone blocking should work. Finally, there was that wall that that created by the O-line that it was was really just a a sight to behold. Um, Now, can we do that against top D-lines or were we dominant because it's Georgia Tech? That remains to be seen. But I'll tell you what, Matt, we'll find out this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal test. And I think that this came at the right time. And maybe this was, you know, the, the, the you know, recipe for success was playing a, a weak defensive line that, that almost, you know, it's, it's like when you're, uh, if you're in a, a shooting slump, it's like, just, just watch the ball go through in a couple of free throws and you'll be back. It's just kind of that mental side of, 
you know, having a, an, I don't want to call it an easier performance, but, but an opponent that you're better than and you can push around. And now once you kind of get that momentum going again, that absolutely could be a catalyst the rest of the way. I'm sure there's a massive amount of frustration that that those, those combined units, the running back and the offensive line were feeling for, through the first, you know, three, four games of like, why can't we figure this out? What's going on? And that's obviously getting into, you know, their head throughout the week and everything. So I do think that breakout performance is huge, but you're right. It's, it's one thing to do it against uh, Georgia Tech. It is another thing entirely, as we'll talk about in a little bit, to do that in Death Valley against, uh, you know, the, the national runner up. So I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. But I, I do think that we came into this year saying that, that was going to be a critical piece to this team's success, obviously. And that was really the missing piece through the first you know five games. So mm-hmm. uh, getting that back on on schedule is is critical, really, for the for the rest of the way. And, and we have had some games left. Obviously, Clemson this weekend, we got Notre Dame coming up. We got some good teams that are that are you know on our schedule the rest of the way. And I think that, you know, we really need all of our units firing on all cylinders in order to, uh, you know, to take some of these in our favor. No question. And, and we're talking about the big boys up front on the offensive side of the ball. I want to talk about the big boys on the other side of the ball. The defensive line's my other half full. And this yep. this might not be on everyone's radar because I, I don't think it, it's one of those things that shows up in the stat sheet necessarily. But, you know, these guys were coming off. I, I, I had a big problem with our D-line, how they played against Virginia Tech. Um, that front four got pushed around in the trenches all night. The, uh, the Virginia Tech O-line was getting to the second level routinely. And, you know, again, we, Virginia Tech has one of the best offensive lines in the country. But this unit did not have their best game. And I thought in this game, the defensive line did a great job by, again, setting the tone early on. The first play of the game, remember that? Brandon mm-hmm. Barlow explodes off the edge, uh, gets to the backfield in seconds, and absolutely jacks up. He, he has the double tackle that I think Harold Landry, had, it's his signature. Right. He, he tackled them both at the same time violently. I think he got flagged on the play, but Matt, I don't care. That's one of those flags I don't care about. I know everyone's going nuts about how penalized this team is, and yeah. I know that's a real thing. But penalties like that, give me those all day. Let's set the tone. Let's let's play aggressive on D, and if we get a couple flags here and there, you know, it's not the end of the world. Can I walk back? I want to walk back a point I made a little bit earlier about Herzlick because on speaking to the big boys up front. Because he, he had cancer, and you shouldn't criticize him. <laughs> Well, again, that's that's we're very happy for how that how that ended up, but also, that's not I, why he's a bad announcer. And I don't want to expose you, but I I know you weren't a BC fan until you got to Chestnut Hill in what oh nine. That would have been oh nine. Yeah. Mark Herzlick is was his junior year before he got sick was probably the greatest football player I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So all right, just, look, every time you criticize him, there. it, it it's, kills it's, me a little bit inside. Okay, all right, that's either here nor there. And if you let, let me finish, I'm going to give him some kudos right now. Uh, there was either a play back to back or it was a, a, a double tackle, but it was our guy Max Roberts from Maine and, and you know, our guy Sax Richardson. And Herzlick, again, to his credit, on the on an excellent call that I watched back on the replay, referred to it properly as a Maximilian sandwich, uh, which I thought was just excellent because both of those guys, as we've talked about at length, they, their real name is Maximilian. Mm-hmm. You just don't see too often anymore. So, um, yeah, that's me just kind of adding on to your point about the big boys up front and how electric they were all night. I, what we're seeing out of out of you know uh, Richardson and Valdez and Max, Max Roberts is really a sight to behold, especially with how bad this defensive line was was last year. It was a huge missing piece for you know Adazio's final uh, final run at the heights, and it's just done a complete one eighty. These guys are absolute monsters. They're in on every play, and I, you know honestly, it's it's tough to stop them at this and, point. And they won us the game. And, and the yeah. flags, I don't. It's a if it's a byproduct of us, you know, our intensity on defense. That's cool with me. I don't care. You know, should should we do it every every down or every series? Probably not. Right. That's gonna that's gonna kill us against good teams. But you know, in general, if we're gonna use that to set the tone, I'm good with that. You brought up Marcus Valdez. That's another one. Certified public set accountant. That fumble recovery that he had was absolutely ginormous. He beat his man. The running back and quarterback heard footsteps. They screwed up the exchange. Valdez recovers the fumble. That sets up another touchdown. We're up 14-0. Start of the second quarter, Luke Beckett, who's been pretty quiet so far this season, admittedly, he only had five tackles coming into this game, he forces a massive fumble that Michael Palmer takes back to the house. And all of a sudden, we're up 24-0. This game's over. The D-line was directly responsible for at least 17 of the first 24 points. They had four sacks, seven tackles for a loss, just a huge bounce back for this unit. They're averaging nearly three sacks per game, and what a massive turnaround! And, and all the credit in the world to these guys for for showing up. And you know we're going to need them going forward. This is the, this was the biggest question mark coming into the year. I think they're starting to turn the corner, 
And uh, I just can't wait to see how they continue to progress under under Coach Half. Yeah, and this is, I think, you know, frankly, what we I don't want to say what we expected, but what we thought was at least a, a high ceiling. We knew Halfley is defensive genius, obviously more so on the secondary, but he's got his hands in, in a lot of pots on the defensive side of the ball, and, and he has done a complete 180, and really I think it exceeded all of our expectations in terms of the turnaround that that we'd see out of this defense. I do want to give myself a little credit on the Mike Palmer touchdown. When they were in that pile and there were some things moving around, I think they were on like the 30 or the 40, I want to Did say. Did you yell ball? I called. I said touchdown. I said, I said we're going to get the ball and we're going to score. And then sure enough, he scooped out and ran. And uh, again, a lot of people at the bar kind of gave me, you know, a little bit of a cheers because they were, they, you know, respected uh, what they just saw. So um, as people know, I do shout touchdown or like mm-hmm. he's going to go often. Yeah, if you ever go to a baseball game with Matt. Right. And it's like a pop-up to the shortstop. Matt's one of those guys that stands up and goes, oh, that, I'm a regular, might, that might go. I'm a regular Joe Castiglione in that respect. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It, it's nice to win one. I'll just say that much. And Mike Palmer, by the way, his, who's an unfairly been scapegoated because it, it seems like he always is at the point of attack when big plays happen. And maybe that is why he gets scapegoated. Maybe it's rightfully so. But on the flip side, this kid just makes so many other plays that he I feel like he, does, he doesn't get enough credit for. So I'm going to give him a shout-out. He had that pick six against Texas State. He brought it back to, to the ten or whatever, right? And now he, you know, he's scoring points. He's a ter- he's like uh, he's he's kind of like a Hamp Cheevers. I'm I'm just gonna say that kind of like a Lucas Dennis. He forces turnovers, forces big plays, and uh, and and he's he's huge for this unit. So that's that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, I I will agree with you. I've never really understood the 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 Mike Palmer hate, but people seem to dislike him and and not enjoy when he's on the field. He misses tackles. I mean that that much is is true, but he also makes up for it with other big plays. Okay. I also think he looks a lot like Mikey Walker. Is that an outrageous statement? Uh, yeah, I guess there's similarities there. Um, sure. Yeah. Here's the other thing too, Matt. Everyone is like all enamored with this offense because we're throwing the football. And I don't want to come off as, you know, not appreciating what we've done on the offensive side of the football. But compared to the defense, this offense kind of stinks. Like if you look at the ACC stats, we're 13th, I think, in, in offense, which is surprising, right? Because our, our pass game so elite. But because we suck so bad at running the ball, we're not that good offensively, statistically, in, in conference. Whereas our defense has flipped from la- dead last last year by a mile to now I think we're a top four unit by in terms of yards and points per game. So I want to be way more uh, you know, uh, complimentary of, of the defense than I do the offense at this point in time until the offense figures out the running game. Because I still think that until they continue to sustain that and prove that game in, game out, I still have questions about this offense. But bigger point. Defense continues to look really, really good and uh, continues to be a heck of a turnaround by half. Yeah, the offense, that's an interesting point. And it's, again, it, it does kind of come down really to, to, to Jerko. He's really been the catalyst. So it is kind of weird. Can you talk about how great this offense is when it's, you know, really kind of one player? But also stink. he's, but, but he is, but he is the offense too. So it's like you kind of can't look at one without the other. I understand. But I, people, people give me flat because they think I hate on Signetti. But, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. We are not— You do hate Signetti, and I, I'm not really sure why. I mean, I know he's not, you know, well, he's I'm not a, the Jeff Halfley of offense, but— I, I like when we run the football. I like our O-line. I like our run game, and I felt like we went away from that. So whoever's responsible, I'm not sure. I also have some issues with some of the play designs, although everything worked last game. So this isn't the right, <laughs> this isn't the right episode to get this into it. But obviously, you know, against Virginia Tech, there was, there was a little left to be desired on some of the play designs, some of the predictability, that type of stuff. But overall, I, I do think the takeaway should be this defense continues to play well, um, and there we'll get to Clemson in a second. But if we are able to hang with Clemson, I think it's going to be because this defense keeps us in the game. Can we uh, talk? This might get a little contentious based on some uh, pre-show discussion we had, but I think we do need to talk about the third phase and that special teams. Yeah, Again, we do Mike, need to talk about half- that. It's a half full for me. It was another, you know, Boomer was another two for two on field goals, six for six extra points. And, you know, I'm just going to preempt your point. Uh, points are what matters, Matt. And and when we're talking about special teams, points are what matters. We left too many points on the board last year, and now we are, and you know, knock on wood, but now we're consistently scoring, you know, when we're in situations that we that we need to score, uh, you know, which is in the in the special teams aspect. So I'm very interested to to hear what you're gonna come up with here, but I think it's going to be uh, interesting at best. All right. I just I think I was triggered by someone commenting on one of the message boards saying, Hey, how great is how great are our special teams now that Daz is gone? And actually, Matt, if you check the stats, that's actually not true. And like you said, Boomer was great. He was two for two, six for six and extra points. We don't take those for granted, right? Carlson pretty much got the day off uh, last Saturday. He didn't have to punt. But no one is talking about, outside of field goals and punts, how much our special teams kind of suck. 
Did you know, Matt, we're dead last in the ACC in kickoff return average with just 15 yards per return. We're second to last in punting returns with 0.08 or 0.8 yards per return. And we're third to last in defense kick returns. The reason I bring this up, Georgia Tech obviously had that kickoff for a touchdown um, that got called back due to penalty. They also recovered an onside kick if people were still watching in the fourth quarter. I just, we can't have that happen. If we want a shot at Clemson, you have to win the special teams battle. You know, we'll throw back to Mikey Walker, you know, taking home that punt return touchdown two years ago. You have to win the battle of special teams if you want a shot at beating great teams when you're overmatched. And I just, I haven't seen it on special teams this year. I know we're, we're happy we have a field goal kicker, but there's a lot more to special teams than that. As someone that played on special teams back in the day, Matt, I'll just say it's it's very important when you we talk about field position and all that. So there's a reason people people say it's the most important phase of the game. Oh, they, yeah, no, I have heard I have heard that statement. I, I, look, I think you make some good points. I, I my point is more overall. You know, if we had to make a trade off, I would take a consistent field goal kicking unit for you know giving up five yards less on 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 the kick returns. I do want to make a quick aside. Uh, if you had to compare Tyler Murphy uh, bootleg against USC to basically ice the game versus the Mike Walker Clemson touchdown in terms of alumni crowd noise, what are you going with? I honestly don't know what the right answer is. So I got I to gotta go T-Murph, and the reason for that is because I was in line for the bathroom during the Mike Walker <laughs> punt return. <laughs> I was in the bathroom for the Sherman Alston end around also yep. against USC, which that is not nearly to the same extent, but at least you're not, you're not alone. All right, that's fair. I think I probably would have voted... I would have voted Walker because I think there was more, uh, you know, more juice in, on campus that day just from game day, beer being allowed. This is the drunkest crowd at Alumni Stadium in in, in history, mm-hmm. which is obviously not saying a whole lot. So I'm going to give that the nod. And yeah. that shout out special teams. Again, it's the most important unit. Yeah, I'll just tell you, I wish I had some some forewarning that Mikey Walker was going to go ahead and do that because I don't think we scored any other points outside of those seven. And uh, we had like, such a great day. That was when game day came and all that. But I felt a little bit like uh, Robin Williams when he's describing good, Goodwill Hunting when he's describing you know, the Carlton Fisk, how we missed game six of the World Series. Well, it's a little different. I think it's a little different scenario here. It's kind of the same thing where, you know, he would have gone right. to the game. I would have stayed in the stands. I wouldn't have gone to the bathroom had I known that Mike Walker was going to take that sure. to the house. Okay. So just to be clear, you're comparing Robin Williams's dead wife to no, no, no. you having to go to the bathroom? Well, no. He goes to the bar instead of the game. He has a ticket sure, for game okay. six. And I had right. a ticket. But I, instead, I went to the bathroom. Right. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on. Uh, do you have anything else on the game or do you want to get into our dude of the week and, and you know, so on and so forth? Uh, yeah, my dude of the week. Give me David Bailey. And I know there, mm-hmm. there's a, a couple obvious ones on the side of the football, but it was really great to see. And, and the whole offensive line, too. I just I, going back to the Signetti point, I, I really feel like D- Bailey's been, I don't want to say misused, but obviously hasn't lived up to his potential. And I do feel like it's it's been a game plan situation that that has caused that. So, you know, like I said, we know what he can do. We know what he did last year, and he's an absolute bowling ball when used properly. So it, it was really the first time we've seen him play, you know, a good football game. I think he had, what, 90 yards, a couple touchdowns. So, um, again, obviously we're, we're going to need that phase of the game, especially, you know, Garwo just had surgery. So he's going to have to carry the load along with along with Levy um, for the next few weeks here. So, you know, hopefully him and the O line can sustain that. And if we can, if we can just, I'm not asking for much here. If we can get 100 to 150 rushing yards per game, that should be enough to create a threat where Jericho can do the rest. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's kind of the exact opposite of last year. How we just said if we could even get like one or two passes, mm-hmm. you know, on a given drive, that would completely open it up for AJ. Right, uh, Matt. For my dude of the week, I'm going to keep it on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, former Tennessee quarterback recruit CJ Lewis broke out. He had an absolute breakout performance at receiver for us on Saturday. Four catches for 58 yards, two touchdowns, two you know very good catches uh, in the end zone, or at least one of the, one of them was a spectacular catch, right? The other one was a more more routine. But um, you know, I think we specifically me, you know, I'm a tall person, um, so we feel I think very strongly about height and and specifically height at the wide receiver position. You know, just throw the ball, be able to go up and get it. And I think that in years past we don't always see that from from CJ Lewis. If he can become that weapon for Jerko on top of Zay, on top of Jalen Gill, on top of Hunter Long, yeah, I mean that's just going to make this offense, you know, absolutely dangerous. And then on the other that's, side, those, that's why those was, three guys. That's why right. I was a big David Dudek guy because I, I, yep. I correlate with him size wise. Yeah, that makes that. I'm just kidding. I'm not actually five four. I'm I'm probably like a was he? I'm five ten. I'm normal size. I would say you're like five eight. Five. You're eight. You're five eight. It's I'm, fine. I'm very um, much five ten. 
So, so again, as a, as a six foot five guy, uh, I'm a big proponent of CJ Lewis and everything he can do in the air. And again, I think that if we continue to get complimentary in, in our receiving core, that's just going to, you know, allow for so much more space for Zay. That's going to allow for so much more room for Hunter Long. You know, we saw what Zay again did in space uh, this weekend with an end around touchdown. Um, so we we've been more loaded on the pass catching side of the ball than I can ever remember. I think Will Blackman tweeted it this week. He said, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Zay will end up as the most talented person to ever play for Boston College, which is very high praise. Uh, but he's an absolute animal. But again, shout out to CJ Lewis this week. Our receiving core just continues to impress. No question, and and I think that you know the headline here is the Eags beat a, a football team that no one knows how good they are. But I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, they, these guys smoked Louisville. It's not like we beat little sisters of the poor. I mean, Georgia Tech has at least one good win on their resume, right? Um, and you know, we, we obviously they got smoked by Clemson, and they, I think they lost to Syracuse, which uh, to me lost affected a lot of their credibility, but. You know, overall, that's that's a good program that Jeff Collins is building. So the fact that we can dominate them in Halfley's year zero, as I like to say, um, yeah, that's a big deal. So, you know, to me, especially coming off a, a you know really disappointing loss to Virginia Tech, it speaks to this team's resiliency and you know the the, the fight these guys have. And um, you know, it's just future is really bright for these guys. And, and I certainly like what Halfley's doing. Uh, you know, across the board there. Yep, hundred percent agree. Uh, I'm moving into Eagles in the Wilds, so I'm going to go to a common face in Eagles in the wild, Matt Ryan. So two things that happened to Matt Ryan, both negatively. One, they wore the ugliest uniforms in NFL history on Sunday. The Falcons did. Uh, they were like faded, faded red into black. It was, it was really tough to, to look at. Uh, but secondly, Atlanta continues to find new ways to lose and new ways to let Matt Ryan down. In this case, it was Todd Gurley scoring with, what did he score? How much was time was left? Like a minute left or less than that? Where he accidentally scored the touchdown. Yeah, Matt, so Matt Ryan, the video came out. Matt Ryan was saying in the huddle, Todd, get the first down and fall down. Do not go in the end zone. And of course, Todd really falls into the end zone. And again, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. 
Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Matt Stafford and the Lions storm down and get the win. I feel we just need someone needs to rescue Matt Ryan. Like, I don't know where we put him, but we just have to hey, I know extract him in the middle of the night. I know a team that could use a quarterback. No, no yeah. Yeah. That's Matt. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Contract I, might be a little bit of an issue, but I feel like they can figure that stuff out these days. I, I have kind of a hot take. I, I don't know that the play there is to fall down. Like, do you really trust kickers? I, I kind of, I did. Agree, I do agree. Th- this was different from, from the Penn State game where Penn State right. had the lead. And so right. they said, all right, don't score. I agree with that. You don't want to score. Uh, when you because they would have what they went they're up by one so they scored so then they went but went up by eight and Indiana right. won I, I forget the details in this case Atlanta was down right and they would have needed a field goal to win the game so I kind of get it and, and Gurley you know hasn't scored a touchdown since Nam probably so I get it. he's like oh I'm excellent excellently going to score I don't think that's that egregious obviously because it's, it's Atlanta they're always going to lose after that but. Um, to your point, Matt, uh, Matty Ice just needs to get out of Dodge, I think. No question. I, I actually there. do. I completely agree with you as a math major as well. I, I, I would say, obviously, if they were tied, you take the take the shot at the field goal versus the points. But I, I agree. And I said at the time, I was like, because I think everyone was kind of going nuts on red zone. But like, I think that was kind of the right move. You score when you have the chance to score yeah. when you're losing. And I was, obviously, I, in hindsight, it was terrible. But like, you know, I don't know. That's 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 hard to say no to points when you're losing with the you know minute left. Especially when you're Atlanta. Atlanta would have missed the right. field goal because they're Atlanta. Sure, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Man. I think that's a I think that's a very good point. Man, uh, I, I will say real quick on the Matt Ryan coming to New England side, which would be great. We talked about this before, but this is just the worst year for their not to be fans or tailgating or anything like that. This would be so ripe for Patriots fans mm-hmm. to. Kind of just say, you know what? Hey, like, let's just kind of write this season off. We've had a good 20 years. Let's let Bill figure it out next year. Instead, hey, let's take all the kids to Chestnut Hill for a Saturday. Enjoy a great tailgate. Definitely cheaper, I would assume. Better access, and you can watch really good football. So the fact that we can't pull over all of these, you know, New England football converts to become BC fans this year is is definitely, you know, a major, major letdown. A thousand percent agree. But just think, Matt, if these guys beat Clemson, and I know that's a big if. Um, think of, <laughs> well, think it, of we're, we're going to get there. I don't know if it is that big of a difference. Think of the hype that's going to start to build for this program. You know, heading into who do we have? Syracuse and then Notre Dame right after that. Like, yeah. the Notre Dame game will be way bigger than anything that Pat's got cooking that weekend if yep. you know people start getting on board. I know that's a lot of hypotheticals in one. Matt, related to Matt Ryan, I did just want to throw this in. Remember, this was a couple weeks ago, I think, at this point, but I beat you by, by 50 points in fantasy, um, and Matt Ryan had 40 points against you. I did just want to throw yeah. that in. So Okay. Eagles yeah, in the that's wild. Good. Great. That works. Awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. I got a quick half lease corpus. Matt, let's enter the courtroom briefly here, okay? Yep. Court right. is now in session. All right. So let's kick it off. It was kind of a wild ACC weekend. There's always sort of a WTF week uh, in the ACC. Once you think you have teams figured out, like, oh, okay, Virginia Tech, they're the real deal, right? They beat us by a billion. They look good this year. Um, nope. They're going to get blown up by Wake Forest. Hey, maybe Florida State is turning a corner. You know they beat UNC last week. Uh, nope, they're gonna they're gonna lose to Louisville by I think a thousand points. Uh, oh, hey, Syracuse is gonna lose by a hundred to Clemson. No, that's gonna be a close game into the third quarter. It's just it was one of those weeks where and, and it gets reflected in my in my betting uh, statistics. Everything you thought was gonna happen didn't happen this weekend, and uh, and that's kind of my takeaway this week for for Duty's Corpus Halfley's Corpus. Sorry. Halfway's corpus. Yeah, no, I, Matt, I have nothing to add. I think that was a really quick, it was just a brief, literally just a brief. It was just a brief. Uh, one other one that I had that I didn't mention, Notre Dame, 42-point beatdown on Pitt. Probably the first time all year where they've actually looked legit. Matt, are you scared of Notre Dame yet? I'm not because of the Jerko factor. Yeah. So. We'll be, fa- we'll be favored in that game, probably. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Especially, again, we're going to be ranked top 15 after this weekend. Spoiler alert. Fully agree. All right, court adjourned. Let's talk awesome. Clemson. Yeah, Matt, before we get into the Tigers, again, a co- couple quick words from our sponsors. 
Uh, first and foremost, our presenting sponsor and good friends at Bet Online. As we said, football is in full effect. We've got college and NFL teams strutting their stuff all over the gridiron. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still get in on all the action at Bet Online. They're going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And Matt, they're back. Listen up, fellas, because today we have a reminder of the brand new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released a few weeks back the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as the rest of your body. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Again, this sounds like it was made by like UTC or or Pratt & Whitney or some other airplane engine company. Mm -hmm. It is intelligently contoured, designed, enhances the trimming experience, and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than any manscaping accident you can think of. So Manscaped is here to make whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum confidence while providing hygiene. Matt, yes, I know you're asking. I know you're thinking. You will get a replaceable blade every three months to Mm -hmm. keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Matt, with that, let's talk everything Tigers. Matt, I did just order a, a lawnmower 3.0 or another one because I have several. Um, yep, we know my, that. We, yeah, we know you're a big lawnmower fan. My beard has been getting a lot of hate. I tried to grow a quarantine beard here, and okay. uh, it's got it's gotten some criticism. So I have – Agreed. I'm hoping that the lawnmower 3.0 will help me groom the beard Um you know, heading into the, the the winter stretch here. So, Matt, is that for your face? It is. I, I don't know. Am I am I not using that properly? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I'm more of a weed whacker guy myself. <laughs> okay, got it. So we'll figure that out. All right, let's talk Clemson. Um, you guys may have heard of this next opponent that we have. The Clemson Tigers have won five straight ACC titles. They played in four out of the last five national championships. They they've won two of them. Matt, get this. They are forty eight and two in their last 50 ACC games. So let's just let's just kind of level set here. This is, we'll call this a test. This is probably going to be, a, you know, a big test for the Eags this coming week. Is that fair to say? Matt, I think that this is, yeah, this is going to be not an easy test. And I think it's, it's certainly not a homework assignment, certainly not a quiz. This is a major exam. Mm-hmm. I will say, it seems like every year Clemson has a game where they sort of forget to show up. And, and you know, let's be honest. We, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I kind of don't blame them. Like it's, it must be so hard for Dabo to keep these guys focused on. Hey, I know you just beat Georgia Tech by sixty-seven, but uh, we got a really important test against Syracuse coming up, where you guys are only going to play one quarter of the game. Um, so I sort of understand them being a little complacent after you know weeks and weeks of just no competition. But let's talk a little bit about you know last weekend. They, they Syracuse gave him a game, and Syracuse was a what forty six and a half point dog. I think it closed at. Um, it, this was very much a game up through the third quarter. Clemson was doing everything wrong they possibly could. They were throwing pick sixes. They were giving up big plays. I think they had a punt block at some point. And you know you you got to give Syracuse some credit for for hanging in there. Unfortunately, I think if we got that effort from Clemson, we would have taken advantage. But because it was Syracuse and they were just god awful this year. Uh, you know, Clemson was able to figure it out midway through the third. But I'll tell you what, Clemson does this sometimes where they just forget to show up. And it's a shame that we're getting them at this time because I don't think that they're going to fall asleep at the wheel this time around. But, man, if, if we had had our shot last week, I think we would have had a real chance to beat them. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that it does. It, it matters so much what the games, you know, before and after you are. Uh, again, they were going into Syracuse off of that 73-7 to absolute domination of Georgia Tech. So I'm sure they were – you know, they probably had practice off a couple days that week and, and you know, we're basically walking through because Syracuse is frankly not a team that's going to test them. But now when you look terrible for, you know, three quarters or however long it was, now it's a hard week of practice. Now it's, hey, I don't care who's coming into town. I don't care if it's 
you know, another Georgia Tech, I don't care if it's Syracuse, I don't care if it's BC, you have to give your A game from the jump. So I absolutely think that it's unfortunate and there's a lot of fire there. But to your point, when these games happen, at least when they happen, you know, in Death Valley, these, these kind of sleepwalking games, it's usually a noon start. You know, I, I think it's just harder to get up for a smaller name opponent, whether it's BC, whether it's, you know, Syracuse at noon in, in Death Valley versus, you know, a night game against Florida State or, or you know, even an NC State or something like that. So, you know, all things considered, there are some there are some you know external factors um, that do potentially play in our favor, especially with the lack of crowd. I know there's not no crowd. Our guy Sylvia is actually going to be on campus, I, I believe, um, on Saturday. So I know they're letting some fans in. I don't know. I don't know if it's full capacity. I know the South just has like no rules with this stuff. But, you know, there is an element of maybe it will be a little less, you know, a little less rabid than it normally would be for, you know, for an away team headed in there. Yeah, a thousand percent. I think we've talked previously about how, you know, BC typically lacks in having sort of a raucous crowd. So one of the uh, bright spots, I guess you could say, of COVID is that it's sort of a great equalizer for, you know, we don't have to go into these. And like we saw Virginia Tech, not that it helped us a lot, but you know, we're not going to get subjected to a lot of those uh, rabid fans that we that we are usually down south. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it really is kind of a strange year. And, and you know, Dabo's talked about this a lot where, you know, Clemson in particular has had a, a, a rough go of it with COVID. And I think they just have a lot of distractions in general. Um, and, and plus the fact that they're just they're getting a little complacent, you know, when you've won the ACC and dominated as much as they have, it's just sort of a, a byproduct. It's you know, how do you keep these guys focused? Uh, Trevor Lawrence is getting asked about, does he want to play for the Jets, or is he going to stick around another year? Um, you know, Domo's yeah. getting asked if he's going to coach for the Jets. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. It's distractions all around, and, you know, they don't have any real competition. So, you know, it's one of those things. So it is, it's a fascinating year for the Tigers, and um, we'll get into the X's and O's in a little bit, but they haven't been nearly as dominant for the most part. Um, as they have in years past. I think Syracuse was a good reminder of that. But, you know, we also saw earlier in the season they, they beat, you know, was it UVA by, you know, 20 or 30 and, and Wake by 20. And, you know, it's not to say that those aren't dominant performances, but you know, we're used to seeing Clemson scoring 50 and 60 and the opponent scoring, you know, maybe seven if they're lucky. So I know it's all, you know, relative here. But to me, Clemson has looked more mortal this season than they have in years past. I think we're somewhat of an unknown, although we're, we, you know, we are six games in. They have some film to dissect of, of what Halfley's done to date. But with that said, I don't know that we've played a complete game on both sides of the ball yet. So, um, you know, we've given a lot to look at on tape. They have to contend with Jericho. They have to contend with this offensive line. This defense, I think we all feel great about. So, um, Dabo said it. This is going to be a tough test for the, for, for the you know, for uh, for Clemson. And he's not just saying that. I think he, you know, he, he believes. Obviously, we, we saw what Halfley did to this offense last year in the, in the uh, national semifinal. I do think, and you started to touch on this, but it does matter, you know, how the schedule shakes out. And this could very much be a trap game for them as they do have Notre Dame next weekend. If you look at the Clemson message boards, they're all talking about Notre Dame already, and they're not giving BC any respect. So something to watch for there. Are, are they going to come out flat again? I don't know. We probably can't count on it, but you never know what is, what's going to happen with Clemson. Yeah, that's fair. I will say to your point about them not blowing teams out in, in general, I agree with you, but obviously the Georgia Tech 73-7 game is an outlier. Matt, if you remember, uh, Georgia Tech scored in that game to tie it up 7-7, seven to seven, and mm-hmm. I texted our group. And I was like, Oh my God, like is Georgia, Georgia going to win this game to, to the point of me calling home runs early and touchdowns yeah. early. I called Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech Clemson seven to seven in the first quarter as Georgia Tech's going to pull the upset off before us. Of course, as we all know, Clemson then ran off, uh, what would that be? I guess 66 math major, mm-hmm. uh, consecutive points. So not great there. Um, but overall, no, you're right. They're a little sloppy. And I think Matt, you need to definitely talk about the injuries, uh, whether it's, you know, they've had guys out from COVID, but also they've been missing wide receivers, um, a lot of wide receivers, basically since game one. I think you know they got hit with a with a bunch of injuries. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean you, you can go ahead and, and and kind of run it down, but they're, they're a depleted offensive team compared to what we've seen you know last year and and, and prior to that. Yeah, no question. And, and obviously, you know these guys are loaded right across the board. No matter who gets hurt, they're just yeah. Let's go be ahead. very clear. Let's just I think we let's throw that caveat out right now. <laughs> we are in no way talking down Clemson. We're just simply pointing out some potential areas of. You know, gaps. That's all I'll say. Dabble's going to print this out and, and post it in the locker room. Uh, you know, so, so these guys, obviously, across the board, we're, f- we're very familiar with the skill players. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers is another one who's been their, their standout wideout. I think he returned a punt for us or uh, against us two years ago. 
Um, I didn't bother looking at the film from last year. We're just going to block that out of our out of our memories. We were, we were down there in Death Valley last year. Uh, had a great day up until the game itself, and then it was quickly uh, quickly not a game. Anyway, um, defensively, you know they have five stars in every in every position group. They have you know top fifty recruits, right? But like Matt's saying, you know these guys have been hit by the injury bug. And before we can get there, these guys lost a lot from last year's team. You know they have a lot of guys that that are now playing on Sundays. Uh, I was reading a stat. They lost 55% of their total production from last year, which ranks uh, among the, the bottom uh, of teams in total. It's a lot. I think in comparison, BC returned something like, I don't know, 80-something percent. I don't know. Um, so they lost four to five starters on the O-line. They lost star receiver T. Higgins, star linebacker Isaiah Simmons, star corner A.J. Terrell, safety Tanner Muse finally graduated. I think he was there for about 12 years. Um and like you said, they've been bitten by the injury bug. Justin Ross went down with an injury in fall camp. Um, and they're expecting to be without three to four starters on defense, including a couple all-ACC preseason guys, D-tackle Tyler Davis, uh, cornerback Darian Kendrick, and then a couple linebackers, Mike Jones Jr. and Jamie Skalski, who Dabble called the heart and soul of this defense. And Matt, get this, uh, Skalski's replacement is none other than J- John Venables, Tyler Venables, something interesting. Venables, Venables kid. So storyline to watch. Yeah, probably a real gym rat. He's in first out last. That's just coach's son mentality lunch, right lunch there. Lunch pail, like you read about. Yeah, absolutely love that. Um, so, Matt, I got. I just have a couple, uh, a quick kind of bullet points more on the statistical side, and and also kind of on the on the gut side. So, um, first of all, Trevor Lawrence has been average to below average against man coverage this year. Um, he is throwing about 40% completion percentage. His last game out, he was a 27.6 QBR against man. And Matt, get this, Boston College primarily plays man defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something to watch there. The other thing I'll just say, again, keep in mind that that this was really Jeff Halfley's first job as, as BC head coach was when he was still with Ohio State and game planning and coaching against Clemson in the college football semifinal. Obviously, Clemson got the better of him in that matchup, but Jeff Halfley did a lot of Clemson game plan, a lot of Trevor Lawrence game plan back in January that he, you know, I'm sure still has just stacks of that he's been able to look through this week. But this has frankly been his his white whale. Um, really, since the BC job started, this was probably a game that that haunted him as a as a coach, and he was probably had a circle on his calendar, you know, since then. So I think that if there's anyone who can game plan against a quarterback with the talent of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence and generally the talent of the Clemson offense, it is absolutely Jeff Halfley. So I am really interested to see what he can pull out. Again, we all saw how absolutely shredded this defense got last year uh, against Clemson. But as we've said a hundred times, this is a completely different unit than we've seen before. And then Matt, the other thing I do want to talk about, you know, and really my biggest point of concern, much more so than Lawrence, is their run game. Etienne is is an absolute weapon, and we saw against Virginia Tech how we how we look against the run, and, and frankly, it's it's not great. Um, you know, if they were only a passing attack, I'd feel you know frankly you know more confident about this game. I will say, last time out, Etienne uh, had cramps and he left the game early, and he attributes that Matt to eating too many frosted flakes in the morning, and says this time he's going to exclusively eat eggs and sausage. So, if anyone has any grocery connections in the greater Clemson, South Carolina. Area, it would be awesome if you could just buy all of the eggs and sausage so that there's none for Travis Etienne and Frosted Flakes are, are kind of his only course of action there. That's a smart move. That is a, that is a very smart move there. Yep. It's sort of like I thought you were heading down to a, a darker place where you know, sort of like the uh, the Jordan flu game where someone yep. laced the pizza. Poisonous, poisonous Frosted Flakes. I'm glad you didn't say that. That would have been yeah. a little too much. Um, don't want you getting arrested. Um, speaking of that, though, speaking of you know heading down a dark place. Um, Trevor Lawrence, who co-starred the movie Disturbia, um, yep. I I have been sort of looking into that because I do think that's a retroactive NCAA violation to star in a movie, um, especially if you receive compensation. So we're still looking into that. Um, if you guys don't know, this, this has been kind of a, a three-year. <laughs> it hasn't been funny yet, but I'm hoping it is. Trevor Lawrence looks exactly like the girl in Disturbia, the Shia LaBeouf uh, thriller uh, from 2008. <laughs> I don't know, approximately. Heck of a movie. Check it out. Trevor Lawrence is in it. Um, so important note there. <laughs> Something to watch for. Yeah. Matt, like you said, this is going to come down to – it's going to come down to a couple things, but I think you're exactly right. I think when, talking about the matchup itself, um, 
you know, it really is going to come down to our run defense. We talked about our D-line earlier, how Virginia Tech sort of just bullied us, right? And they pushed us off the ball. And it, it was it was actually just it just incredibly frustrating to watch where the D-line would almost get pushed into the linebackers so they didn't have a clean, you know, way to tackle Herbert and Hooker. And um, so, you know, that's that story. That storyline number one is can the D-line play with these guys? Can we devise some sort of attack to contain the run? And primarily on the outside edge, because that's obviously what killed us against Virginia Tech. But other than that, it's going to be the same type of thing. On offense, we can play with these guys. On offense, they've been susceptible. Syracuse had a couple big plays, and it's Syracuse. They don't have Jerko. They don't have Zay Flowers. Um, You know, we can establish the run. Their D-line's banged up like we just talked about. We can establish the run and force one-on-one downfield. And Zay, Jerko, Hunter Long, Jalen Gill, the rest of the guys do the rest. The formula to, to beat these guys isn't hard. I think we can do it. We're going to have to play perfect to do it. My concern is much more in this particular game on the defensive side specific to the run game because, like I just said, I, I, I like the matchup otherwise. I really think that our line can, can you know play against this D-line. I think that our skill players are just as good as their defensive skill players. And then in pass protection – or sorry, in pass defense – our back four have been excellent, and they, they only have Amari Rodgers. They don't have a lot of other, and I'm hesitant to say that because they, I'm sure they have you know, guys that were you know, number one in their state across the board, right? But their passing game has been lackluster comparatively for them. So, you know, I like us to, to be able to handle that on the defensive side. I like our D-backs to be able to handle one-on-one, and then our front seven to really attack the run. Fortunately, we have a coach in Jeff Halfley that is one of the best in the world at dissecting plays learning from it, looking at film, and saying, all right, how can we fix this? I think that he has the blueprint in Virginia Tech of what went wrong. The, 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 you know, the key question is, can he fix it? And I think he can. So that's, that's sort of my, my thousand-foot view on this game. I think this is probably the greatest chance we've had to beat them, probably since pre-Dabo, which is something to think about. Um, that was a long time ago, and, and we all know that Dabo got his first win um, against BC as a head coach back in, what was that, 2011? That year might be wrong. I, don't, I have no idea. Um, so That's definitely wrong. 2011? Now is that wrong? Yeah, he was definitely a coach before we were at, at BC, and we also beat them sophomore year, the Montel, uh, Montel Harris game. I'm going to look it up, Matt. Can you stall? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I I'm, otherwise I'm ready to run through a brick wall. I thought that was an excellent uh, rundown, and I, I really do feel that something is, is special. Uh, happening on the heights, I think we, I think we all would would agree with that. And two thousand nine, yeah, right. So we beat them in two thousand and ten. That's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So credit to me for knowing my BC football love history. That, love to see that. Just yeah. feels nice to win one. Um, Matt, with that, do you mind if I get into my prediction? Yeah, or is there anything you, else that you no, want you, you want to kick around? Why don't you do that? All right. So everyone knows two things. One that you know sometimes we can be a little bit irrational and and have and have high hopes. And the other is that normally we don't really give a breakdown of, of you know, how we think the game is going to go. It's just kind of here's our score and take it at face value. Uh, I'm going to flip the table on its head today, and I'm going to do two things different than I normally do. Number one, I'm going to be very rational and very level-headed about how I see this game going, and also I'm going to kind of let you know how I, how I get to my final score. So with all of that out of the way, Matt, I am saying its final score is 42-41. to 41. Boston College Eagles have 42. Clemson has 41. And Matt, get this. We score, a, so we're down 41-35. We score a touchdown with like 45 seconds left, maybe less. And no, wait, we're down 40, <laughs> work with me here. We're down 41 to 30, we're down 41 to 34. Hold on, let me write this down. <laughs> we're down 41 to 34 with like, you know, 30 seconds left. Okay. Jerko finds Zay in the end zone. Now it's 41 to 40 with 30 seconds left. And Halfley puts his balls on the table and goes for two, and we win 42-41. to Basically a walk-off two-point conversion. We get rid of all the ghosts of UNC. Wow. And, yeah, it's a a – look, again, the reality is that – and I think we'd all want that in that scenario. You don't want to play overtime in Death Valley against Clemson. No, in fact, you remember last year, that's what Mac Brown did, right? It was a 24-23 to game, something like that. And they said, listen, I don't want anything to do with Trevor Lawrence and ETN or overtime. Let's go for two. Let's win it now, especially at home. And uh, that didn't work out for them, but, hey – with us, with our line, why not? I well, that means it's due. The last time it didn't work out, so now it has to work out. I mean, um, that's just that's science. Uh, a thousand percent with you. Hey, Matt. So you're pick, you're predicting an Eagles win, despite correct thirty two and a half point dogs. 
Yep, that's right. Hey, hey Matt, I'm going to do the same thing. Okay, let's go. Let's Massive upsets like this. There's three, there's three criteria to winning massive upsets like this. You got to win the turnover battle. You have to win in the trenches. And you have to hit on big plays. This is why I say this is such a good matchup. We could do all three of these. We've been forcing turnovers all year. We have the potential to dominate, especially on the O-line. The D-line, maybe I'm a little high on, on you know, after the G-Tech performance, but why not? And they can hit on big plays. We've seen it all year. Jericho and Zay have this wild connection. Hunter Long catches everything within a 12-yard radius. We can we can hit on big plays, and, and they showed last week they're susceptible to that. Our D can keep it close. That's the fourth criteria. That's how you, that's how you pull off these massive upsets. I think we can do it. And if you don't believe in, in half, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't think there's any way we're losing this game. We're going to put some money on the money line, and it's, what is it, uh, plus, I, I can't even do that math. It's, it's not be, even available on draft yeah. or on uh, bet, bet online. What is it? What is our sponsor called? Bet, bet online. It's not even available. The money line's not even available on bet online. That's how that's how uh, little respect BC's getting right now. But we're going to find a, a bookie to take it. We're going to bet it. Uh, Eagles 26, Clemson 25. Are you also having a last second two point conversion or just another one point victory that that kind of occurs naturally? No, I got the Eagles going up 27 nothing and almost blowing it. No, I don't know. I, I And then they lose a point? No. Uh yeah, shoot. <laughs> What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I got I got Eagles winning and I think yeah, it's probably going to be a fourth quarter comeback. This game will come down to the last possession. Eagles get the last possession. David Bailey punches in on fourth and goal and the Eagles walk off and we storm the field. Okay. Yeah. No. Sylvia will be down there, and he'll and he'll be boots on the ground the minute uh, the minute we break the plane and it's a win in, with two point conversion or just for a last second touchdown. Mm-hmm. Kind of either one. Either one works out there. Uh, Matt, I'll tell you what. You know, we're right a lot. Again, not to pat ourselves on the back, we're mm-hmm. right a lot with these predictions. This one, this one feels good to me. Yeah. I'll just no, tell you what. No question. This is just an unbiased take. I think that's the right. that's what you get with us. Is just right. This is what we think will happen without any. You know. I'm not going to root for BC just because you know I happen to like them, right? I'm right. saying here's what I think rationally will happen, and that's what you get from from the fourth and dude guys. Yeah, no, I I could not agree more. I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Uh, I will say, Matt, I like the noon kickoffs. I think it's kind of good what? to kind of start your that's Saturday. I do. Well, now that we're watching it on TV, I like it. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's, you feel no, like kind of a degenerate like drinking can, early, but without, yeah, but like you can't tailgate, really do anything. You know? Yeah, I guess, but like you can't really do it. A four o'clock game, it's kind of you know that's your day. You, know, you can't really do a lot before. You can't really do a lot after. Same mm-hmm. with an eight o'clock game. So noon is nice. Let's just. What are you doing post game? You got some apple picking, or what do you got? Well, I think it depends. I think it, I think it frankly depends on on you know how the Eagles come out on top here. Mm-hmm. If it's like a if we win by forty, it's like a little more anticlimactic. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe something relaxed like apple picking. There you go. If it's a one point game, I you know I need to like take a cold shower and go from there. <laughs> so we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, thanks again for listening, everyone. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed, uh, last week's win as, as much as we did, it, despite it being anticlimactic, it's just good to, good to get back into the win column. We have a really good team on our hands and mm-hmm. I, I can't stress that enough. So I hope you guys are all on board now because this is, this is special what we're seeing on the Heights right now. Uh, thanks again to all of our sponsors, Bet Online, Eagle Insider, Armchair, our good friends at Manscaped. Uh, keep an eye out again for us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude, Matt, the koozies have arrived. I gave out a bunch of them at the New York game watch bar last week. They seem to be a big hit. I don't know the logistics about getting those out and mailed to people. Post office is uh, a little busy for the next, uh, next week or two. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give them the, uh, give them the week off. Uh, but at some point we'll figure out a way. Cause I've got a box of like a hundred here and I don't know how sustainable that is long term. For, for everyone in the DMS asking how to get a koozie, um, we will announce it. Uh, Matt and I apologize on Matt's behalf. We just don't have a distribution plan at this point. I don't know that we'll ever have one, especially in COVID times. <laughs> so, yeah, could you not, don't promise that. So apologies if, if you're in the DMs and we haven't gotten back to you. We will get you a koozie as soon as we figure out a way how. Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. But again, I like that you didn't really promise anything there. We're just mm-hmm. going to kind of do our best. Um, yeah, no, thanks again for listening. That's all I have. I think that Saturday is going to be a really fun day. And I think it's, like always, going to be a great day to be an Eagle. Get in, folks. <laughs>